the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today. It's gusty out there. A gusty Wednesday afternoon. High atop Seven Parkway Center here in Green Tree. Good to be with you. Uh, Kath is uh, still uh, Zooming from home. Kath, how are things there in the uh, homestead? I don't know if I had COVID or not, John. What? I'm just living in the, I'm just living in the unknown. Do you think you're sick? Well, I'm definitely sick. The question is, was I sick with that? Because I, here's the thing. Yeah. If, for those of you who, who didn't join us on yesterday's show, yeah. um, I, a, uh, two of my family members ended up with COVID over the holidays. And of course, I was with them for Christmas. Yeah. Got sick a couple of days later, a day later. You did. And then waited and I did. And then waited in line outside of Seven Parkway Center mm-hmm. at the outdoor COVID testing facility um, that's available for everyone in Pittsburgh, which, by the way, was very efficiently done. Like walking up to the line and realizing I was the hundredth person made I was filled with despair mm-hmm. so much so that I had to text you, John, immediately. You, I, you sent me a photo. I did. It was really terrible, Christy. I sent one to you as well. It's just too much. Couch. Anyway, but but it but it went it went very quickly. And then I waited days and days and days for my results. And when they finally came, it said indeterminate. Indeterminate. I like that word. That word. I, was... It makes me doubt myself. Well, of course. The word itself is a big doubt word, right? How are things indeterminate? Well, what do you mean? Well, I'm, exactly. I'm a little confused. So are you going to go back for a sec? No, are well, you, no, are you feeling they ill? Said, they said, I, I am still coughing. Yes. And uh-huh. I'm I, like, my body temperature is all screwed up. Really? I'll be sweating. I'll have chills. I, all of that. Hmm. But here's the thing, John. If I wait in line with yeah. another with another hundred people, right. it's going to be another four days, five days until the results come back. Right. And then I'm going to be outside my quarantine anyway and back at work. So who cares? Wait, no. Why do I want to go wait in line outside in thirty degree weather for that? I thought isn't company policy if you go get a test, then you've got to still be quarantined. Yes. Right? So. Which is why I, which is why I'm talking to you from my house. Right. But but the company policy is up today, midnight today, John. Oh, really? Okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm a free agent. So you're not the only one here at the studio who's been ill. Uh, Kenny Woods. Yeah, there's been other people who have uh, you know called in with a. But you know the good. Kenny's Kenny's waiting for a test, right? He, I don't think. No, he 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 had a test, and I I said to somebody, "Hey, how's Kenny feeling?" You know what they said? He's got Mm -hmm. a sore neck. The heck does that mean? (laughs) He's got a sore neck. Since what? when is that? Is that a COVID complication? It's or is indeterminate. That just like some general statement on his welfare. He needs to put some uh, icy hot on that and maybe be better or eat it. He Remember? probably doesn't. He might not want us talking about him on the air. Sorry. Well, that's fair Even game. Even though he is an on-air personality. Everything like is show prep. Fair game. Everything is yeah, everything. Sorry, Brian Kenny. Best wishes for your uh, for your for your health, Kenny Woods. Okay. And for you, Ken- no, no, it was not for you. It was for Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> 
Oh, all right, good. Here we Thanks. Go. There's a COVID Thank cough. So I don't think you got COVID, do you? Okay. Well, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Know. I'm going to be with you tomorrow morning. Yeah, aren't you excited about it? But it's been 10 days since I've been with someone who had COVID. Okay. And even if I had it, even if I was positive, this is my 10-day quarantine. I'm out, John. Okay. I'm not giving you anything. Nah, I'm not worried about it. I mean, you know what the heck. You know what? I'm going to show up tomorrow and you're going to be home because you're not going to want to be with me. No, no. Listen, this past year, truly, yeah. I've had five shots. I've had the yeah. two and then I've had the booster. I've had a flu shot and a shingle shot. I mean, what am I? I'm like a pin cushion. What the heck? You should. You should be immune from everything. I think so. I mean, you know, I'm just going to go for a walk just to go get a shot. Just uh, <laughs> It's craziness. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what it means. So, uh, Kath, as we uh, get away with the show, uh, you always bring us the news stories for the day. And those stories often are indeterminate as well. So without <laughs> further ado, please give us the top four at four. All right. For Wednesday, January 5th. 2022. Number one, Chicago public schools canceled classes today after the teachers union voted to stop providing in-person instruction, citing the latest surge in COVID-19 that has sent cases to record levels in that city. City leaders called the vote by the Chicago teachers union an illegal job action and said teachers who didn't report to work wouldn't receive pay. Union officials said that they were sticking with their demands to stay out of school to protect members, students, and families from the virus, but still planned to meet with city leaders in the afternoon to continue trying to hammer out some kind of agreement. The Chicago Teachers Union had sought mandatory testing for all returning teachers and staff. Short of that, the union sought a two-week pause in in in-person instruction until the city could put additional safety measures in place, John, such as providing N95 masks to all students and staff using health screeners and other protocols. Now for the district side, they offered masks for teachers and staff, but not for students. And it had a system for closing down individual schools based on caseloads. The district also cited some $100 million it spent to make schools safer, including new filtration systems. Hmm. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, said this morning that the shift to online learning last year had been very difficult on working families and hurt many students. Quote, achievement gaps are real and they are affecting kids of color at an exponential rate, she said. Thanks to the Wall Street Journal for that piece. And number two, John. Yes. A week and a half into one of the biggest pandemic lockdowns in China, residents of Xi'an voiced desperation online today about challenges in getting food and medical care. According also to the Wall Street Journal, China's COVID-19 count remains low in comparison with other countries. And in the past few days, about 90% of the cases have been in this city. In China's Northwest, where most of the cases have been mild, no deaths related to COVID-19 have been reported anywhere in China in the last 11 months. But nonetheless, COVID-19 control seems to trump all other priorities in Xi'an. No one is allowed, check this out, John, to enter or leave the city. And 13 million residents, 13 million residents can leave their homes only for COVID-19 testing. Oh, my gosh. How about that? They get indeterminate results. What are they going to do then? Few vehicles are allowed in the streets. Supermarkets and hospitals are closed. And they're hosting, or housing, depending on how you look at it, nearly 40,000 people in quarantine centers. One resident complained online today, identifying himself as a migrant worker and said in the first few weeks of lockdown, the only food he managed to buy before he received a government food package was one baby cabbage, some buns, and five kilograms of flour. 
To be honest, he said, I don't think COVID is scary. I think having no food to eat is my biggest threat. Yeah, I'm into that. Number three, I'm happy to bring you a weird animal story, John. Oh, good. Happy to have you. Are you excited to hear yeah, it? Oh, yeah, please. Around 10 p.m. on Monday, police received a report of a lost dog on Interstate 89 at the New Hampshire-Vermont border. The responding trooper found a German shepherd running in the road. When the trooper tried to get close, the dog ran north toward Vermont. The dog was kind of like, follow me, follow me, said Lieutenant Daniel Baldassar of the New Hampshire State Police. And so they did, and to their surprise, John, they saw a guardrail that was damaged, and they looked down to where the dog was looking, and they were almost in disbelief. Two men had been in a truck, but had been ejected because of a crash. They were seriously hurt and hypothermic. State police discovered that the dog belonged to one of the injured men. Quote, it quickly became apparent that German Shepherd Tindley led Trooper Sandberg and the Lebanon police to the crash site and the injured occupants. Tindley is only a year old, was not hurt, and first responders are crediting the dog to the men's quick recovery. And this is a plus, quote, the whole time we were starting our patient care, Tinsley sat there nice and calm right next to Arizona. Wow, that's a good dog. Isn't that sweet? It's like Lassie. I love it. The owner said, she's my little guardian angel. It's a miracle how she has that kind of intelligence to do what she did. She's now, John, getting venison burgers and back scratches as a thank you. Beautiful. Number four. Just when it seemed like the region, our region, was headed for the winter that wasn't, the first significant snowfall of the season is expected to arrive tomorrow. According to the trip, up to two to three inches of accumulation predicted with four to six and higher elevations. The snow expected to begin late Thursday afternoon and continue into the evening. And that, my friends, is your top four at four. Very nice. Time to get your snow shovels out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got got a bonus. bonus. I got a bonus. Please bring it to me. After the gigantic game on Monday night, this is no surprise to any of us. TJ Watt has been named this week's uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Five tackles, five quarterback hits, four sacks, three tackles for a loss, and two pass deflections. The first four sack game by a Steeler since Joey Porter in two thousand one. Fabulous. Uh Steelers play win. You think that you think it's a pretty good game, John? Uh, he was a beast. But of course he's well compensated because he is a beast, is he not? Mm-hmm. When do they play again? Sunday? Sunday, the Sunday, Ravens. One o'clock, probably. I guess. Probably. You gonna watch? What you know you're you're not like excited to watch it? No, of course I'm excited to watch it. Okay, good. Yeah, it's Ben's last so. game. No, I'm looking forward okay. to it. Yeah. All right. Terrific show today, John. We got a lot going on here. We do. Um, How are you uh, with your social media usage? Yeah. Always thinking I'm doing it wrong. What? I rarely. I'm. I'm just sort of uh, fatigued by it all. I really choose not to engage with it anymore. I know. Pretty much. But I. I I feel like maybe that's the wrong approach. I don't know. No, it is the right approach. You think it's the right approach? Yeah. 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 Because I sent, you know, uh, I sent you something last night. I think it was like four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you know, scrolling with one eye under the covers, you know. Christy, why does he do that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that in a later show. All right. Later on in the show. I don't understand it. Anyway, our next guest up, uh, three ways to use social media more wisely for the new year, Uh, especially if you're a believer. Don't be an idiot. All right. We'll talk about that next. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. WORD. This week on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll presents a brand new series. What does it mean to live our lives with integrity? It means that we are verbally trustworthy. We are privately pure. 
We live no double life. Hear Chuck Swindoll talk about walking with integrity in times of adversity. Right here on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Brr, isn't it chilly? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, snuggling up to a nice warm bowl of homemade soup. Winter on our farm means my brother Sam and his guys are trying to stay warm as they feed all the groups of cows, calves, and heifers out in the elements, milk the 100-cow herd twice a day, and handle all that comes with a working dairy farm no matter what the weather is winter at the springhouse store means a little slower pace so it's a great time for our cooks to try out new main dishes new sides and new soup recipes like the one i'm enjoying vegetarian chili the bakers are even getting in on the act and trying new desserts too like chocolate cherry cordial stop by for lunch or supper and see what new creations they've come up with today good old-fashioned cooking featuring all natural farm fresh ingredients and lots of tlc the springhouse in 84 PA 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7, 365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Remember when, you know, Facebook first came out, I was like, uh, I'm not really interested in doing this. This seems weird. So I, I kind of delayed, you know, the entrance into social media. And then I did it, you know, oh, okay, I'll sign up. And, you know, then you would like connect with you know, like old friends. Hey, look at that. I haven't seen that guy for a long time. That was kind of cool. And there was a period where, you know, social media was fun. And then, of course, you know, you're doing this and, you know, you're you know talking on the air. And so you graduate to <laughs> Twitter. And then later on, heaven forbid, TikTok or, you know, any number of weird things. And now I kind of feel like I just I could care less if I if I never saw social media ever again, it'd be more than fine with me. So no TikTok challenge has tempted you, John? No, that was that the water challenge. Remember that management okay. had us do that years ago. That wasn't TikTok. Remember oh, that? No, we, that's, we went out and did the bucket challenge. Okay, those are not the challenges I'm talking oh, about. No. The oh, ones I'm talking about are like the death-defying ones that like the FDA has to warn nine-year-olds about. 
Oh, I thought you meant fart in a jar. But uh, no. that's a whole other story. No, uh, we, we should do a segment on that later. Uh, all right. Anyway, Chris Martin is back with us. Chris, a regular guest on our show. Chris is a content managing editor at Moody Publishers. He's a social media marketing and communications consultant. This is his like you know bread and butter. He's got a brand new book out that's going to – we'll talk about that in a little a bit. But he wrote a piece, Three Ways to Use Social Media More Wisely in 2022. Chris, uh, Happy New Year and welcome back. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me back, guys. Good to be back. And uh, yeah, I what's funny is um I've made a career out of this whole social media bit, and I yeah. feel the same way as you do. If I never saw it again, I wouldn't really. I'd have to find something else to do, but it wouldn't really uh, bother me that much. <laughs> oh, that's really fascinating to hear, Chris. Now, so you this is like I said, this is your bread and butter. You're making your living doing this. Uh, is your experience the same as mine, where you kind of were like, "What is this?" Then you had some fun doing it, and now you're just exhausted by it. Uh, I'm actually a little bit the opposite where, um, I'm an early adopter of all kinds of stuff like this. So I, I started, so what's a little bit of backstory on me, like personally, I grew up in Northern Indiana. My dad worked for IBM Mm. from our house starting when I was like three years old, like 1993. In fact, the local newspaper did a story like local man works from home. One of a million people across the country who's working from home. He has a second phone line to make business calls and his son can sit on his lap while he makes them. No kidding. Um, and it was like, you know, this revolutionary thing. Yeah. There's like a little p- a picture of me when I was like three sitting on his lap in front of his green screen, IBM computer. Those That's old so ones. cool. Um, so, so we had the internet and computer in my house from the time from as early as I can remember, mm-hmm. I was one of the first students in my classes. I remember being able to like type papers at home, you know? Yeah. And so I was on, you know, one of the earliest forms of social media, I guess you could say AOL instant messenger mm-hmm. when I was in first grade. Like I remember wow. chatting with friends after school. I still remember like the thrill of that door creaking open that sound that AOL instant messenger made when a friend logged on. Um, and so I was, I was just always, to my benefit and detriment, experimenting with this stuff from a really early age. And I, I, I hopped on Twitter in the spring of 2008, which is roughly when it launched. And I remember sitting in my high school journalism class, logging on for the first time, like, what's this Twitter thing? Why would I, why would I tell anybody what I'm doing at any given time? But it did even then, like when I was in high school, it became a way for me to, you know, read what my favorite ESPN commentators were saying, or, you know, all these different interests that I had. It was like, Hey, here's a way for me to craft my own sort of newspaper, if you will. Um, So I've always been a little bit of an early adopter, but uh, in the early, sorry, in the most more recent years, even though I've built an entire career of like, all right, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I have theological education. I have an undergrad degree in Bible and an MDiv. So I have theological education I'm really fascinated by the internet. I used to want to go like to work for these companies back when I was in high school. Like I was like, Oh, I want to go do that. And then I realized it took math, which I'm just not good at. So I was like, all right, how can we take the internet and Christian faith and sort of make them work together in ways that might be more constructive than what a lot of what we see online. So while uh, I am a little, a lot discouraged by so much of what I've seen of just like human nature on blast on social media, especially in the last like half of a decade, you know, like like last five or six years have felt particularly rough. Um, Still, despite that, despite that discouragement, I've devoted much of my career to it because I do think 
that this massive communications revolution can be really helpful for believers in the way that we use it to communicate with others and communicate the message of hope we have in the gospel. Right. Now, but that's a high view, is it not? Right. And human beings being human beings, you see the good, the bad, and more often than not, the ugly, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not. That's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of folks have come, have have tried to say that social media is a sort of neutral tool that you can use for good or you can use for evil. I think I used to think that actually, I used to think that, however, social media is not this sort of like naturally occurring phenomenon, like fire. It's not some sort of like (laughs) thing we discovered. Um, It is a, it is a tool created by sinful human beings. Like, like sin, humanity's sin is baked into these platforms. And so I would say these, while we should own our, like we're responsible for our own actions and how we use these platforms, but I don't think social media is a blank slate. Like I, I do think that there are a finger is on the scale towards social media being used more for ill than for good. And frankly, and this is what the, the piece you referenced that I wrote and published yesterday. This is what a lot of that piece is about is I think so much of it is just that we use these platforms without ever even thinking about it. People are a lot like how I was back in high school where we just adopt these platforms into our lives. We sign up, we give them all of our information. We turn notifications on by default. We just don't even think about it. And we don't ask ourselves, what do I want Facebook to accomplish for me? Mm-hmm. Like right. Facebook Facebook or Twitter, choose your, pick your poison and whatever your preferred platform is. TikTok would enrich my life if it accomplished blank. Uh, Twitter makes my life better because it does blank. A lot of us, simply have never thought about those sorts of things, those sorts of questions or ask ourselves like, what, how do I hope this enriches my life? We just hop in because of some sort of fear of missing out, you know, or or something like that, because we know our friends are on there. We saw some viral video on, on the news. We're like, Hey, what viral video from TikTok? What's TikTok? I should probably go check that out. I don't know what's going on over there. And then we just don't think about it. We get into this mode of reaction rather than intentionality. And I think that's where we can get into a lot of trouble. That's good. Well, if we can trust the people who invented different social media platforms at their word, which, you know, based on investigations over the last, you know, 18 months, we're a little shaky on that. But each one of them insists that they believe that social media would be a beautiful, healthy, friendly way of connecting human beings. And all of them seem like they are a little surprised, nonplus, disappointed that it didn't pan out like that, which I think is how all of us approach all sorts of things. You know, we have high ideals and then we realize that, you know, in, inborn sin is an actual thing, right? And so it just affects everything. So, um, but, but you go from something that was supposed to connect to what it is now to, you know, the story I read in the New York Times today about the unbelievable backlash that Jeff Bezos uh, New, New Year's Eve post, you know, garnered mm-hmm. um, yeah. where everybody hates his shirt. People hate his pants. People hate that he's fit. They hate his girlfriend. They hate everything. And it just makes you think it, it seems to pull at the worst parts of us. And I'm not sure that we've shown that we are adult enough to manage it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think um I you know I I too have recognized Kathy how how people have you know, the the founders of so many of these platforms have very optimistic views of humanity. And I think I like I, I think that's admirable. Like I wish I had such optimism in some way because like, I, I can tend to be cynical or pessimistic in a borderline sinful way. 
Um, so I wish I had that sort of optimism sometimes, but I do think it just comes from a, an inherent misunderstanding of human nature. And I, I think that like, that's one way that Christians should theoretically be more equipped to use social media is that we have a, we have the most, the best developed understanding of how humans are, how we are, you know, like uh, I think we have an understanding of sinful human nature and how that's just amplified online. And I think the other thing we have to remember too, is that the incentives, and I think I maybe have spoken with you guys about this before, but like the incentives that exist on these platforms that, that drive action are just weighted toward negativity. Um, The most negative content gets the most engagement. And those are those, signals to our brain that engagement equals attention equals value. And so if we go into these platforms looking for affirmation, looking for value, looking for people effectively without saying in so many words, I recognize that you exist and I think you are worth listening to, the way to get as many of those responses as possible is to just be mean about stuff, frankly. I mean, it is just to be a jerk. That's the way you win the social media game most often. I mean, unless the other way to win is to be super attractive and to be able to like, you know, dance or do, do comedy or, you know, something like that. That's how you also can get a lot of attention. But if you're not a supermodel or a super funny comedian, the other way you get a lot of attention and win internet points is by being a jerk. And it's kind of sad, but that's just how I think how human nature has infiltrated. And I think the way we push back against that is by asking hard questions of ourselves and how we, how we have built relationships with these platforms. And so Chris, you said the word attention, right? So social media is based upon garnering attention, right? How many, remember the first time you went on Facebook and you posted a photo and you were like, Oh, look, I got, you know, 10 likes or 20 likes or a hundred likes or, Oh, you know, it's all about me, 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 me at the end. I mean, that's just corrupt and corrosive. It doesn't know one any good because it's so deeply narcissistic. Yeah, totally. I think I think there is everyone uses social media for different purposes. And I think even throughout different phases of our lives, we use social media for different reasons. I mean, there was a period in my life I write in this piece where I used Twitter in a super immature way. Like I was in the early when I first started out in my career and I was trying to like figure out who I was and how I would fit into like the Christian evangelical thought leader space. And, and I was working for a really well-known Christian evangelical thought leader. And I was like, who am I? And, and so I tried to hop into all of these like debates about theology on Twitter. And it's like, who am I at 22 years old? And like, what, what am I trying to do here? Right. So I'm not, I'm no par- paragon of virtue, but I do think that we should always be asking, what do I hope to gain? How does this enrich my life? And more specifically, how is this affecting my walk with Christ? Like, how can I serve others and become more like Jesus and how I use these platforms? Or are they simply distract? I don't think it's all bad. I, I do think we can use these platforms for good and for our sanctification. I really do think they can be used for good. I just think it requires an, an immense amount of intentionality. We're not going to stumble into using these platforms for constructive purposes, is mm-hmm. I guess what I would say. We're talking with Chris Martin. Uh, he's a regular guest on our show. Uh, we brought him on to talk about a piece, which we really have not talked about, three ways to use social media more wisely in 2022. He also has a, a, a regular Substack called Terms of Service that both Kath and I follow. And Chris, before we let you go, uh, talk about the new book because, you know, the piece, the Substack thing all coalesced in your book, yeah? Yeah, totally. totally. The book, the, so the, the Substack newsletter is called Terms of Service. The book is actually by the same name, uh, Terms of Service. And the whole point of the book is to explore a lot of these themes. Like the, my, my point in writing Terms of Service is not, um, 
hey, sh- shut down all your accounts and delete all your accounts. That's not the, for some that may be the, the goal and that may be appropriate. But I don't think you can escape the effects of social media on your life if you just delete all your accounts. People are still going to say, hey, did you see this on Facebook? Hey, did you see that new TikTok challenge? And so I think the goal is to and the goal of the book Terms of Service, which comes out in February. So you'd be pre-ordering it now if you want to get it February 1st. But it, the whole point is asking myself asking ourselves the questions of how are these platforms affecting me in ways I maybe am not realizing Mm -hmm. and sort of like zooming out, stepping back and saying, I just accepted all of these platforms into my life and literally accepted their terms of service. In what ways did they say that they were going to serve me by connecting me with friends or family? And maybe in what ways have I actually come to serve these platforms more than these platforms are serving me? Because they're they're proposed as tools that connect us with friends and family. And I think ultimately maybe we become we become tools in the hands of the platforms themselves. So I think we just should think about those things and in terms of service, the book, uh, which you can find anywhere you buy books, uh, it really delves into those questions. Very good. Well, Chris, thanks. It's Chris, always interesting. Always good to talk to you. Happy New Year. Sure. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, that's that's some good food for thought, John. Don't you think? That's Chris Martin, content marketing editor at Moody Publishers, social media marketing and communications consultant. Check out his new book. And then as we step away, we're going to come back. Is looking at art a path of mental well-being? Find out next. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. We all know healthcare costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Hey, Meg Robbins here. And I'm David Robbins, president of Family Life and most importantly, Meg's husband. And we would love for you to join us on Family Life's Love Like You Mean It Marriage Cruise, February 6th through the 13th. It's seven nights away just to focus on a stronger, more connected marriage on one of Royal Caribbean's largest nicest ships and we are going to be stopping at three beautiful ports and the cruise is happening just before valentine's day and i'm just saying it's currently not too late to sign up but the clock is ticking it's really such a special time to get away and focus on just the two of us and enjoy solid teaching great worship and entertainers and most importantly time together with my favorite person now i'm looking forward to that too And hey, you can join us and save up to 60% with the code JOINUS when signing up at lovelikeyoumeanit.com. That's lovelikeyoumeanit.com. We hope to see you there. 
Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church, academy, and our neighborhoods. Information is available at pts.edu. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go, and you think of calling for a ride home. Now, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. It'll be breezy this evening. Otherwise, we'll see mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 18. Tomorrow, considerable cloudiness with a bit of afternoon snow accumulating a coating to an inch. will reach a high of 28. Tomorrow night, one to three inches of snow. Untreated surfaces will be slippery, the low 18. Friday, breezy in the morning with a passing flurry. We'll see a thick cloud cover. It'll be cold with a high of 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. I used to work in uh, downtown Pittsburgh, and I worked down the street from my um, half-price bookstore. And so at lunchtime, I'd go in there, and I started buying coffee table books mm-hmm. of art. Sure. Van Gogh, Degas, you know, the Renaissance, but whatever, you know. And be, I just liked them. I, I know, really, my art education, like most people, is minimal at best. But I know what I like, and I, I see beauty and go, when I look at that, that makes me feel good. So I saw a piece today uh, in the paper about Bill Murray, of all people. And Bill Murray said that you know, he was thinking when he was, a, he was like a, a, in his early 20s. And, and in the article, he says, I was thinking about taking my own life. And he was wandering the streets of Chicago. He said, I wanted to die. But then he went into the Art Institute of Chicago and he saw a Jules Brenton's 1884 painting called The Song of the Lark which depicts a young woman looking skyward with a sickle in her hand and a violent orange sunrise behind her. And in this article, Bill Murray says, you know what? Suddenly I felt hope. I just thought, well, there's a girl who doesn't have a whole lot of prospects, but the sun's coming up anyway, and she's got another chance at it. And he said, that gave me some sort of feeling that I too am a person and I get another chance every day that the sun comes up. I love it. Now, Say what you will, but you know I'm not saying there's theology in that. There's Christian theology in that, but again, well, there is some the- there is some theology in that. Well, that yeah. There is some theology in that, which is that people want uh, human beings hope. want to want hope, and they want to feel like this life is worth something. Yeah, without a doubt, a hundred percent. So the gist of the piece is saying, looking at art is a path to mental well-being because when you surround yourself by with beauty. Whether, you know, you go outside, like, you know, one of the most beautiful places for me in the whole world is for me to go outside in my yard and just stand there and look at the trees and look at the sky. I mean, seriously, when I, <laughs> when I post stuff on Facebook, it's generally me taking a picture of the sky and the sun or the clouds. It makes me feel good to see the beauty of that. So, you know, they're saying now that there's a new way in some ways, which is probably an old way, to treat depression and mental illness by surrounding people with images of beauty, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I totally buy it. You know what? Because that's you. You said that's the way you are. 
it's for sure the way I am. I mean, if there's anything that, that nourishes me, it's visual things. It's human nature, isn't it? If I would go to a museum any day of the week if I could. That would be, if, you know, what do you want to do today? That's what I would pick. I think one of the barriers about going to a museum, like is what I said, is like, you know, I, most people, of course, are not schooled in the, you know, the fine right. points sure. of what makes beauty, beauty. But most sure. people just kind of go, I know what I like, right? Whether it's, you know, sure, going to... Is, and people don't realize that's enough. Yeah, it's more than enough. You know, I mean, before I went to art school, I didn't know anything about art. I didn't know the first thing about art. Yeah. I'm still far, far from an expert or really even competent in the field. But I go to a place and I'm able to soak it in. Yep. You know, I'm able to receive from it. It's just, it's... We have these treasures that are, you know, right here in the city of Pittsburgh at the Carnegie. If you're listening from another part of the country and you think about the art museum or the natural history museum that's right in your city or town, we just, we don't take enough advantage of that. No. Remember, I've I've been, I've been fortunate to, to travel a lot and the, I can't tell you how many cities I've been in where I've been in their museums. Yeah. I've spent more time in other people's museums than I've probably spent on my own. I remember going to Ross Park Mall uh, with a friend of mine, and he. this was at the period where, uh, remember the Thomas Kincaid stores? Yeah. Right? I mean, they were like in most malls, a lot of yep. malls across. And my my friend would apologize and say, hey, I, you know, I really I, I want to go in there because I, I, I like that. You know, he like, I don't like, didn't apologize to me, you know, right. to, you like know? what you like. Yeah. So it, it is. I mean, if you like Bazooka Joe bubblegum comics and you find some beauty in that and it makes you feel good, go for it. Right. Right. I and appreciate it. Yeah. Because and, and that's where the theology comes in, because if there was no God, then where would this sense that we have this longing for beauty come from? Yeah. If it was just a chemical process some kind of, you know, two cells banging into one another. What, all of a sudden, you know, I look at at a Van Gogh and I'm moved? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. No. Well, speaking of Van Gogh, right, we went, we both went to the Van Gogh thing that, you know, was touring no, the country. No, I missed it because I was oh, that's sick. Right. You know, the, here's the weird thing about that. It's still here. Yeah, it's going to be here for another three months. What the heck? I thought it was like, I'm gonna you know. Go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make another, get another ticket because I, I I missed it. I thought it was like some like, you know, limited engagement, like here well, for three weeks. You know, oh, sell, I got to go. The tickets and we, we bid on that. <laughs> yeah, we did. Anyway, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I guess that's the whole point of us talking about this. Take a quick break. We come back. Um, NASA what do you, and government yeah, money so, and aliens. Yeah, so, so NASA wants to know if people of faith are going to be impacted if there's some kind of discovery of extraterrestrial life. 101.5 WORD. When God created us, he had a purpose for our lives. I'm Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of joining you each weekday to open our Bibles together. The Bible tells us that God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Join me and let's see what God has for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 9.30, Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. You know what you could do? You could add on to your house an extra room and fill it with white fluffy sand that feels like the beach. Pump in seagull sounds, paint waves on the walls, and cute little sand crabs. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash out refinance loan. 
Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a beach room could be very cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. So the um, the meteor that came flying over the city of Pittsburgh on Saturday, it's like going 43,000 miles an hour. Boom, flying. Chow. It makes you wonder, right? I mean, the heavens and what's out there. I think about this often. I do. So uh, saw a piece, uh, Kath and I did. Uh, two dozen theologians participated in a program funded by NASA, NASA to research how humans may react to news that intelligent life exists on other planets. This is wild. 23 theologians in a NASA-sponsored program, they delved deep into it, and they wanted to know, okay, you know, you're a Christian pastor. What do you think? How would Christians respond? Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, every, all these faith leaders, they chimed in on that. Which was weird. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool, weird sort of inquiry because you would imagine if all of a sudden, you know, aliens did show up on planet Earth, kind of like 9-11, people would rush to their churches for some sort of answer, some sort of solace, trying Probably. to figure out the mystery. Don't you think so, Kath? Probably, yes. Yeah, I think in any time of uncertainty, churches end up being more full than they are. Yeah. I mean, other than now that I said that out loud, now I think maybe that's stupid because we're in the middle of a pandemic. No, no, because there's all these other political, sociological, psychological overlays. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if the alien showed up wearing a mask, then it'd be just insanity. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So when was this study uh, commissioned by NASA? It was commissioned uh, two years ago, and it's just now coming to light. 
right? Um, uh, because the one of the um, scholars, Reverend Dr. Andrew Davidson, the University of Cambridge, he's uh, going to write about this. And he says, quote, in thinking theologically about life elsewhere in the universe, there has been a tendency to pick up mainly on passages from previous theological work where other life has been the topic of under discussion. I want to move beyond that and join the discussion to a much wider range of material and perspective, because perhaps the main discovery I would report on to date is finding just how frequently theology and astrobiology has been a topic in popular writing for at least half a century. So people have, oh, yeah. right, people have thought about this. I mean, look. Can you imagine sure. the shepherds, right, looking at the stars and all of a sudden right, there's the, sure. the star that changes the, the universe? Right. And if you read sci-fi or uh, fantasy, for sure, but sci-fi in particular, there is often, much more often than in regular, you know, mainstream fiction, a God element. Yes. It's just that that's part of, I don't how, know. How can there not be? Yeah, I think that that's part of the mental space you need to get into um, if you're enjoying something like sci-fi or fantasy. Well, see, it surprises me. I mean, you know, because remember Carl Sagan, right, who uh, was a huge media presence, a media darling back in the 80s, I think, specifically. Um, I I was surprised that Carl Sagan was was an atheist or at very least an agnostic, which I would think that anybody interested in astronomy you have to see the creation. Look, look at that, you know, the new telescope that was, you know, shot off into, into the, uh, the Netherlands last week. I mean, that's going to show us the beginnings of the Big Bang, whatever right. that may be, whatever the Big Bang is, the beginning of God's creation. I mean, how could you not look at that and be interested in God? And, of course, you know, at the same well, time. But, the, but, you know, everybody, regardless of career, comes with their own baggage, their own background, their own point of view. And for some people, science is enough God for them. You know, the natural world is enough. Right. Okay. So, okay, so let's go back then to the original, uh, the, the original premise. An alien shows up. Yeah. Does that affect your image of God? No, I think it'd be fascinating. What about you? No, I love the idea of it. I mean, but we've talked about this in the past. And, you know, we have friends who say there's no aliens out there. We are God's one and only creation. Why? Why do you say that? I'm not saying that. I just know that. Why would one? So I think if you're looking at the Bible, right, there's certainly nothing that says that we're the only ones in creation. But it does give us everything that we need to know about our relationship with God. So if that's the case, then knowing that there are other beings who have a, who have a relationship with God shouldn't really change what we know about what God has told us about our relationship with him. So what, right? would, what would that say, though? I mean, so would Jesus be on other planets? Did Jesus go elsewhere and, and die? So that's the thing. That, that would be the sticking point, is that, there has, that he would have to have. And so then what is he going to is he going to suffer uh, <laughs> interminably for every culture and Well, if anybody would it'd be uh, Jesus, form, wouldn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. But I but isn't it more thrilling and more accurate to say I don't know than act like I know. Everything the Bible tells us sews it all up for us. Yeah. 
puts everything at right angles. We're all perfect. We're good with it. We understand things purely and well, and we're good to go. And now we can go save the world. Right. I mean, that's how we get into so much trouble thinking that, you know, the Bible gives us every answer. And so all we need to do is tell the world about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know this kind of conversation sort of feels like, you know, <laughs> late night college dorm conversation, right? Where people have had a few drinks and they're, you know, delving down into some weird conversation. But I think it's a, it's, it's got to be a common thought. How could you not look at the, the beauty and the immensity of the universe and think, God in his, the creator God, of course, is in the business of creation. So I think that there's got to be, to me, the vastness of it all says the creator God continues to create. So as he's created us, he's also created other images of himself. And so why wouldn't that be out there? But then what does that mean? Okay, but here's the thing. What if it's not, I think that the safe place to be when it comes to, you know, respecting who God is and knowing who we are is just reminding ourselves that we have to be okay with it either way, that it is what it is. And so if we find out that we are the only life forms, the only humans in the universe, then that's doesn't make God less God. No. How are you going to find that find out? out and if we find out that we're not, then that doesn't make God less God either. Yeah. But what if, right? Just what if, and the fact that NASA commissioned the study, they are obviously recognizing that this is a crucial question yep. that human beings are going to ask. And so how I like the fact that they decided to ask theologians who have invested their entire life's work in studying this. I wonder if NASA ha- has theologians on staff. What do you think about that? You know, you think that NASA would have theologians on staff. What? You think NASA would have theologians on staff? Yeah. I think so. I think, you know, because it's just a bunch of people who are interested in questions of eternal significance in some way. So why wouldn't they yeah, spend a little bit they, of money? Yeah, but are they really? I mean, I, aren't they just people who make rockets? Yeah. I think they're more than that. And, you know, now because, you know, the billionaires are in the space game, these questions are just going to continue to go on even further and further and further and deeper and wider. They're going to engage a whole different range of, of, of voices and thoughts than what normally not have happened 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago when man first went to the moon. Anyway. Especially with social media, people are going to be able to weigh in with their thoughts and questions yep. a lot faster and easier. There's that social media. Okay, just don't go on Twitter and be an idiot. Take a break. Come back. Uh, we got more ahead. Um, oh, are you doing celebrity birthdays next? I sure am. Coming up next. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know that a middleman adds little actual value. Unfortunately, most mainstream mattress brands sell their products through a retailer. This only adds more cost that gets passed along to the customer. At OMF, we choose to eliminate the middleman and sell directly to you. This factory direct approach allows you to buy a great product at the lowest price possible. No middleman markups here. Visit an OMF location today to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Does it seem like your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to? Instead of raising prices, some companies will cut on quality and quantity to save on costs. Mainstream mattress brands opt for cheaper, lower-quality materials in their mattresses. At OMF, we believe you deserve the best. So we hand-build our mattresses and box springs, always using only the highest-quality materials. Visit one of our stores today to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Thinking about life insurance? 
What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff. His work ethic and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. It can happen easily. A few drinks. Become a few too many. It's time to go, and you think of calling for a ride home. Now, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church, academy, and our neighborhoods. Information is available at pts.edu. Periodically on the ride home, I like to quiz John Hall because of his um, spookily accurate way of predicting the ages of celebrity people. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not sure why. Again, John, you, you tend to say that it's because of your immersion in newspapers. I think you might be right about that. But I have to adjust it for the time frame because like anybody, anybody like, you know, if you're like 40 and under, I, I don't have a clue. I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. That's just, you know, if I'm good, you know, if you're my, oh, I've got that pretty much covered. I don't know why that is, but it just is. Okay. So you got some okay. celebrity birthdays? I have a couple celebrity birthdays, John. Okay. Um, so the first one, I don't know, but I think she was on, was January Jones on Mad Men? Oh yeah, she was. Okay. It's uh, her birthday. It's today, her birthday. John. Boy, I have no, January Jones. Uh, she is, uh, but this is just a wild guess. Uh, she's 48. She's 44, John. Hey, okay. Okay, it's close. Um, Bradley Cooper. I love Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I'm a fan of Bradley Cooper. Uh, what's the uh, uh, what's the movie? Silver Linings Playbook? Playbook. That's yeah. a funny movie. That's a, Have you seen it? Never saw it. Oh, that's a very funny. Jennifer Lawrence and De Niro. Now, don't give me in the, in the politics, but not. But, you know, that movie, it's a very well done movie. Um, okay. Bradley Cooper. Uh, I remember him, of course, because he starred with my friend Jennifer Garner. In and what? Alias. Oh, Alias. alias. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper, he's getting, uh, I would say Bradley Cooper is, uh, what did I say? What did I say to January Jones? Um, uh, she's 44. Okay. I would say he's 48. Very close because he's 47. Okay. Not bad. Okay. And uh, last but not least, Diane Keaton oh celebrates a birthday today. Diane Keaton. Uh, I mean, Diane Keaton, 
remember Annie Hall? Have you seen Annie Hall? Never saw it. What? No. Okay, now again, all Chris, these. Have you seen the, it? Oh, no. You've never seen Annie Hall? No. Of, all these disclaimers, you know, I got to, oh, here's a disclaimer about Woody Allen now, right? Every time you, right. everybody got to like go, okay, like what? Uh, Diane Keaton, she's been around a long time. What, uh, Annie Hall was in the 70s. I would say Diane Keaton is uh, 75. 76? Yeah. Okay. That's very <laughs> not good. Bad, not bad, not oh, bad. On my over and under, if I was like, you know, a betting guy, I would be doing okay there, right? But I haven't. Man, you're impressively very nice. Anyway, happy birthday to Bradley Cooper, Diane Keaton, and uh, January Jones. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. When's your birthday, Kat? Uh, May 16th. Oh, that's right. Okay. I'm not going to guess your age on on air, will I? Clearly, I don't think we should go there. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A fire in a Philadelphia duplex has killed over a dozen people, including children. Officials in Philadelphia were visibly shaken as they updated the media on what could be the single deadliest fire in the city in over 100 years. Mayor Jim Kinney. Losing so many kids is just devastating. Deputy Fire Commissioner Craig Murphy says numbers could grow, but at least 13 people, including seven children, were killed. Eight people escaped and two others were taken to area hospitals. This is probably one of the worst fires I've ever been to. Murphy says the fire is under investigation. There were four smoke detectors in that building and none of them operated. 26 people were staying in the two public housing units in the divided row house with 18 people in the upstairs apartment. I'm Jennifer King. Stocks are moving lower now. The Dow is down 196 points. The Nasdaq off 375. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house, and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. My name is Holly, and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof or how about some new siding you can count on windows or us the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry windows or us offers repair and replacement for roofs siding gutters and downspouts windows entry doors even decks a leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms don't put those repairs off windows or us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through dollar bank want 
out new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement. Offer valid through 1231-21. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That is windowsrspittsburgh.com. So I invested in one of those fancy new exercise bikes. Without a doubt, a very special tool to help me get healthier. The problem is three days go by, then four, and I've done nothing. And then it's night five, and I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I look down at myself, and I can't help but just laugh. Because there I am, wearing the exercise t-shirt that came with the bike, and I'm eating two corn dogs. And I think we'd all agree, the special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. At United Faith Mortgage, we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions. There's no middleman. And often, this allows us to get you a better rate on your refinance or new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Federal Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. License in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. It'll be breezy this evening. Otherwise, we'll see mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 18. Tomorrow, considerable cloudiness with a bit of afternoon snow accumulating a coating to an inch. will reach a high of 28. Tomorrow night, 1 to 3 inches of snow. Untreated surfaces will be slippery, the low 18. Friday, breezy in the morning with a passing flurry. We'll see a thick cloud cover. It'll be cold with a high of 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. You know what? The days are getting longer. You can see it. Here we are looking out the window at Top 7 Parkway Center. Sun's just going down. I love it so much. It feels fabulous. So, Happy New Year to you, and let the light shine on. Um, Kath, I was leaving here last night. Now, you know, you're at home still for you know people who haven't listened. Kath is in... Uh, covid protocol um right, right indeterminate i'm like i'm inside the blue tent right <laughs> right you're being checked out yeah and, being evaluated by medical personnel but i'm here i'm holding up the fort so is chris we're, sure. we're, we're here but i was leaving last night and i walk out the front door of uh, seven parkway center and this guy he's dressed like he's dressed like old school long you know overcoat suit and tie i bet you this guy was maybe 40 years old he said i'm getting into my my car which is not my car which is a whole other story and he says to me sir hey hey could you give me a jump and i was like i'm sorry i I don't have cables now in my old car i always had like a winter box of you know jumper cables and and, you know i carried like a box of stuff it was like my dad's kind of thing he goes i got i got a pair no problem so I get in this car, I drive over. <laughs> he has the world's shortest pair of jumper cables. Oh, and, no. And so, you have a huge car. So I had to move the car to get closer. But boom, in no short order, you know, we were up and running. He knew what he was doing. I knew what I was There we go. And there he goes. 
So I've been thinking about that because, you know, you heard about that story on I-95 where people were stuck in their cars for 24 hours. Can you imagine that? I also read a you know a follow-up story that that people were saying uh, people were knocking on truckers' windows saying my Tesla ran out of battery power. I've got kids oh, in the car. I've got kids in the car. We can't have the heater on anymore. We've been stuck in there. Now what do we do? So they've been saying you know how how do you know Teslas and the rise of the battery-powered car? How are they going to respond to such situations like that? Anyway, long story short, do you, Kath? Do you, Christy, do you have an emergency sort of winter thing for your car? Christy? I have a thing, but I would say it's ill-equipped. What do you mean? You got like a bag of, well, chi- so a bag I, of I chips. So I have a little thing that I keep in the back of my car. So it's got things like paper towels. It's got, you know, uh, ice scraper. Mm-hmm. It has... Uh, tissues. It has like stuff. All right, some basics. Gonna... Yeah, but that's not going to help me if I'm listen tied up in my car for twenty. Wait, hours. remember the black black ice thing that I did about a decade ago? We were on our way to yes, church on sure. Sunday morning. We're on our way to church on the right. parkway, and the parkway shut down because of black ice. So we sat we sat in traffic, you know, bumper to bumper for more than three three hours, and we were like, you know, we played games, we were singing songs, and then. I found a bag of potato chips that had been from the week before we were on a on a camping trip. We, we found that bag of potato chips. It was like somebody gave us Christmas dinner. We were like, yay, we have a bag of potato chips. It was the best tasting potato chips of my life. Seriously. But you wonder, okay, so you don't have jumper okay, cables? Okay. No, I don't have jumper cables. And when I think about being prepared, of course, I think about my dad mm. and my dad, you know, this, he had the blankets, my dad had a, he had blankets in the car all the time. Yeah. Which I took. Of course. Yeah. And you should have, uh, Yeah, because I'm too, because I'm too stupid. Yellow and plaid. Uh, yeah. I still have them. And when I get right. a, when I get a new car, which is a whole other story, by the way, I'll put those blankets in there. Sorry. Okay. Christy, right. do you have, uh, you have a little emergency kit in your car? I don't. Nothing. The only thing, no, and I sure hope my dad is not listening. He'd be so disappointed. Mm, the only Mr. thing I have in my car is a coat, an extra coat. That's okay. I not mean, all I got. that's a pretty good thing. That is a good, in case you get cold, right? Yep. Better than nothing. Okay, so anyway, all that to say, saw a piece about, you know, having that winter kit in your car. A kit essentials with uh, you, will keep you warm while stranded, so make sure your vehicle is packed with these things. Here's the deal. Food. Make sure you're carrying, driving around with food in your car. What Which, kind of food am I driving? A oh, bag yeah, of chips. Pizza in there? A bag of chips. Bar, maybe? Protein, carbohydrates, and fat help the body produce heat and regulate its energy. Yeah. So you should. You should have drinking water. You should have um, protein bars, bags of things that are non-perishable, like a bag of chips in there. Why not? I mean, anything to get you. Those poor people stuck in those cars for 24-plus hours. How about going to the potty? What are they doing? Right. The, oh, my goodness gracious. And we're going to hear some horror stories about that. Um, warm extra clothes, what you're saying, scarves, mittens, socks, hats. If you're not wearing the warmer shoes, say sandals or Crocs, you might want to throw in a pair of snow boots. Cause what if you got to get out of your car? Yeah. Blankets. You can't rely on your car's heaters, right? You got to make sure you have blankets in there. Hand warmers. How about this? Small candles and matches keeping toasty while you're rationing fuel, a flashlight with spare batteries, 
whistles, flares, red bandanas, bright claws to single for, signal for help, your phone charger, of course, a shovel and kitty litter in case you hit a snowbank or something like that. Of course, ice scrapers, jumper cables, personal hygiene items. Taking care of hygiene inside of a car is challenging, but you can keep moist towelettes, garbage bags, plastic ties, medication. Put your medication. All of a sudden, you get no, your medication. Wait med- a minute. There's no, look, there's no room left for me in my car. If I'm putting all of that in my car and driving around all the time, medication. You're going to have like antidepressants. And the shovel? Give me six I'm of those. Sorry, hon. I, I need to get some kitty litter for the car. <laughs> That's why you need a station wagon. Uh, supplies for. <laughs> Supplies for pets, babies, and children. If you're traveling with animals, children, make sure that you have enough supplies for their needs, including <laughs> pet foods, diapers, infant formula, <laughs> bottles, wipes, diaper rash cream. To keep small children entertained, you need to have uh, paper, crayons, books, and toys, and board games. <laughs> I mean, like mobile target. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. You better be prepared. It's only for a short while, right? So, look, come on. Isn't there some virtue in having a clean car inside? Yeah, but, you know, you got a big trunk. I remember one time when we were kids, we were on our way back from the beach. This is the, this is the infamous, you know, seven of us kids, my grand, my grandparents and my parents. There were 11 people. <laughs> and this was like pre, you know, SU. We had a station wagon. There were 11 of us. The car <laughs> broke down. The car broke down. My father and my grandfather get out to look at the car. What's the first thing they did? They popped a beer. And I remember, like, we're all, like, dying of thirst. And my dad and my grandpa, they're drinking a beer. I'm like, if ever I wanted a beer, I was six. It was at that moment. And they were prepared. But we were not. So that'll tell you. So whether it's winter or summer, they're telling us, uh, you need chutes and ladders in your car, just in case. How about just a deck of cards? Just something to pass. I have time. cards. I always have cards. All right, but now you got your phone. So, and, and I'd be like, "We're not turning the car on. We're gonna our battery's gonna go out. Then we're in trouble." And how are we gonna play cards in the dark? Oh, it's very complex. Well, then you got a flashlight, right? I don't have a flashlight in there though, because I don't have a flashlight because I have my phone. It's a very very complex world, isn't it? Got to be be prepared. Be a boy I'm scout. Trying to travel, I'm trying to travel light, and you're just not going to let. No, me. I'm not. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we do come back, uh, Dean Weaver is with us, the Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver. We're going to talk about um, Americans worry about their money six times a day. You ever talk to your pastor about money? That's next on The Ride Home for Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on Word FM. 101.5 WORD. I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 930, Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know that a middleman adds little actual value. Unfortunately, most mainstream mattress brands sell their products through a retailer. This only adds more cost that gets passed along to the customer. At OMF, we choose to eliminate the middleman and sell directly to you. This factory direct approach allows you to buy a great product at the lowest price possible. No middleman markups here. Visit an OMF location today to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. 
This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Does it seem like your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to? Instead of raising prices, some companies will cut on quality and quantity to save on costs. Mainstream mattress brands opt for cheaper, lower quality materials in their mattresses. At OMF, we believe you deserve the best. So we hand build our mattresses and box springs, always using only the highest quality materials. Visit one of our stores today to see the original mattress factory difference for yourself. Do you pay for your own health insurance? Are you self-employed, a gig worker? Are you a small business owner trying to help your employees find affordable benefits? If so, listen up. My name is Tom Yakupin, and you can save 25 to 50% or more on your monthly premiums and have benefits with first dollar protection on many common outpatient services. That's right, no deductible, no co-payments. With many traditional health plans, you're functionally uninsured because of deductibles, co-pays, and other cost-sharing devices that benefit the insurance company, but not you. With New Era Health Plans, you can access doctors, hospitals, and urgent care facilities with our freedom of choice nationwide PPO network, including Washington Hospital, St. Clair, Allegheny General, and UPMC. Call me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187, or visit us online at NewEraHealthPlans.com. Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. A new study from Study Finds of 2,000 adults revealed something very interesting that on average, depending upon whether you're millennial or boomer and everybody else in between, people worry about their finances, their money, Six to seven times a day. What do you think? Six to seven times a day. I'd say that's, you know, those thoughts pop into your head. Would you would you say that's a fair estimate, Kath? It seems like a lot, but I guess if you're just looking at, you know, wait, how much do I have in the checking account? How much? Wait a minute. Did I, how about when you get your, your credit card bill and you have the like 596 charge from Apple or from oh, Amazon Prime and you're I like, hate that. Did I order? I didn't what do I, that. Right? Did I do that? Or even worse, your wife goes, what's going on? Like you all of a sudden, you're all, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, no. Right. No, I didn't do that. I, I blame it on the kids. Oh, that must have been the kids who did that. It wasn't me. Thank goodness you have kids. That really <laughs> yeah. helps. Yeah. It's good to throw them under the bus because I, uh-huh. I don't have a clue about the money situation. Uh, Reverend uh, Dean Weaver's with us. Dean's a regular guest on our show. And uh, Dean... Uh, the idea about money and worrying about money. Now, you as a pastor, I would imagine that, you know, uh, congregants have come to you over the many decades and have wanted to talk about their money situation. Is that true? Uh, that's a, a hi, John, and good, good to be with you and with Kathy. Just a heads up to your tech folks. I can hear your voice, but I can't hear Kathy's at all. Oh. So if, if, if Kathy has a question, I won't be able to hear it, but I, I can hear you just fine. Thank you. We'll interpret for her then. Okay, sounds good. Um, I would say that was rare. That was exceedingly rare that someone can talk about money, especially in like a proactive, positive, constructive, spiritual, critical sense. Um, people, 
I think people confuse, especially when it comes to money, John, they confuse personal and private. Um, and so money, I think for people, seems to move over into the private realm where they feel like that's not something they want to talk about with their pastor, as opposed to, say, other spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible and praying, which they, they you know, were struggling in their marriage or their parenting, which they openly would, would talk about with their pastor. And it's a, it's a funny dichotomy, but getting people to talk about their own finances or apprehensions, anxieties, and fears around them was usually a bit of um, a challenge. That's interesting. Okay, so Dean, I'm surprised to hear that because I would imagine, you know, all the many d- decades that you were a, a pastor, pastoring a, a local church, that uh, very personal, very private things like marriage, right? Uh, the state of people's marriage or finances or any number of things, right? Um, people would come to you with that, but you would say that money, there was a dividing line there between the very private matters of money. Well, and, and just two things uh, that, that kind of make sense if you think about it. Number one, uh, Jesus and the New Testament in particular talk more about money than almost any other topic in the entire Bible. And it's not because the purpose or the point is about money itself. It's about how, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It, it tends to pull our allegiances in away from the things that our heart should be connected to, i.e. our loved ones, the Lord. Uh, more than any other single thing. You know, you can't have the two masters, God or man, and that kind of dynamic. And so it's, it's, at, it's at play in our fallen state for our affections more than any other single thing, because money is security and it's power. And, and one of the reasons why people don't talk to pastors or others about their money is oftentimes it's the source of shame. And there's, there's, uh, there's an awkwardness there, uh, but there's a certain culturation where we've taught people that this is inherently private. You shouldn't share that information. And, you know, the interesting thing is when you look at marriage and family therapy counseling, the number one cause, if you, if you trace divorces, the number one cause, and the number two isn't even close, the number one cause is money. And, and so the fact that people don't want to talk about it um, with their pastor is an extension of the fact that they don't have healthy ways of talking about it with their spouses or with their children or in a Sunday school class or any other venue. It is just, uh, I would say sex and money are the two things that people are the most uncomfortable talking about in any kind of setting. Interesting. Which probably tells us, Dean, why we end up running into so many issues with both of those things as Christians. Uh, Dean, so Kath chimed in again. So uh, were you able to hear that? No. No. Okay. So she said, so Kath said basically that tells us as Christians why we run into so many issues, you know, around both of those things, right? Whether it's private or public, sex and money, uh, those drive a lot of conversations. And I'm I'm sure you've heard, you've heard those things. Yeah. And and the thing is what they have in common, uh, Kathy, is that they both are issues of the heart. Um, you know, both of those go to levels of affection, of intimacy, of where our deepest desires lie, um, and and we have, you know, and and can easily become both can easily become therefore idols for us because that's that's ultimately an idol becomes that thing that takes our deepest affections and is not taking us toward the Lord but is taking us toward ourselves or toward something else. 
and usually it's ourself wanting to retain power. And some people use sex uh, as a means of control or power, and some people use money as a means of control or power or both. And so it becomes this thing that you don't want to openly share, and yet it's a gift. I mean, both of those things are a gift from God that are intended to be uh, for the blessing and flourishing of humanity, and yet we hoard those things, we hide those things, and so we don't talk about them in, a, in an open, uh, honest, healthy kind of way because we, we haven't actually been taught how to do that. I mean, ask most children growing up, what did your parents talk to you about when it relates to money? And most will say, well, you know, maybe they talked about tithing their allowance or something like that, but that, that's probably even a, a, a great minority. <laughs> I mean, most people don't talk about it at all. And if you dig down deep into counseling, you'll find a lot of people say, well, that's what my parents fought about. Um, and, and so if there was a fight in our family growing up, it usually was around that because they had different views and different values around how money operated and what its purposes were and how God had intended it for us and for our benefit. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver, who is the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, co-founder and former president of EduNations. We'll talk about that as our conversation goes on. So, Dean, then what about that? I mean, as a pastor at a church for many, many years, did you feel uh, the call, the pressure, um, the wisdom in some ways to go, you know, we are available to talk about these things that are so intimate and so secretive for so many people? Or, you know, is that too much? Is the church having to deal with so many different issues the idea of then drilling down into a congregational conversation about money and or sex is too much to bear. Well, I mean, first of all, there's there's so much uh, negative baggage, John, in, in raising the conversation around money, because if you raise it as a pastor without it being initiated, people suspect you of ulterior motives. Of course, sure. Right. <laughs> you know, in other words, you're raising that because you want more. Right. You're, you're trying to get more money from me. And, and that's the problem. So the, the walls go up and are defensive. And, you know, if you can teach as a pastor, if you can teach in a context of a larger series of spiritual disciplines about the place and purpose of money and how to do that in a healthy way, and it's not around your stewardship time, like when you're trying to raise your budget, but it's just a, built into more like the discipleship and discipline, spiritual disciplines then you you might be able to get people to drop their guard and listen to it as a, something that's there for their spiritual uh, well-being. But, you know, oftentimes when pastors initiate those discussions, it's met with incredulity, with defensiveness, because they suspect that there are ulterior motives. The place where you have success in having that conversation is, my experience has been in marital counseling. When someone comes in and says, boy, we're really having problems, Within a few minutes, when you pull on a few threads, uh, threads, you find out that really what's behind it is uh, an underlying difference in how they approach finances. And that's where you're able to have a really constructive conversation that helps people get on the same page, get on uh, God's page with what is the purpose of money is and how they can do that in a way that will actually strengthen their marriage rather than be the tension of their marriage. That's interesting. That's very, very complex, Dean. So what about that? All the years that you led a local church, that you were a pastor, did you see um, a, a rise or decline in people's willingness to come and see the pastor, to use the pastor in many ways, you know, as a sounding board, as a, a spiritual base for their, you know, whether their, whatever their problems were. I mean, you know, with the rise of, um, 
you know, psychoanalysis and therapy. Uh, has the pastor been replaced in that role? Uh, the simple answer is increasingly yes. Um, you know, at 30, I, I, I did this for 35 years in the pastorate, John, at small, medium, and large churches. And the reality was uh, people used to come to the pastor because, number one, you were seen as a, an expert. Mm-hmm. Number two, you were seen as a spiritual authority. And number three, you were free. <laughs> so they they came to you for, for counsel and all kind of stuff. Sure. And now today, um, number one, uh, the, the idea of experts in any field has been replaced by a Google search. Um, so like the, the rising generations don't view pastors as respected experts to go to for counsel on such things for the, for the most part. I mean, the, 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 the millennials and under Z and, and alpha and all of those who are rising up, they, if they're in the church, they might view the pastor that way and go there for counsel. Uh, but outside of the church, you know, the pastor is no longer that person kind of respected and revered in the community where you would see them as an expert on spiritual matters. So increasingly, um, the therapeutic culture that we lived in, the decentralized culture where everybody is an expert, everybody's their own um, authority, those kind of things have, have moved towards less and less of people coming to pastors for help on things as foundational as their finances. Hmm. In many ways, is that you think that's hurt the church, the vitality of the church, that they don't see you as someone intimate enough to be able to share those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, in the church— can be guilty of being um, maybe not as uh, uh, helpful or practical in, 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 in all areas of life to only seen as being, well, I'll teach you how to read the Bible or, you know, we'll help you in these crisis moments, uh, what I call hatch match and dispatch, you know, when you're, you're coming in for, you know, baptisms and funerals and marriages and these kind of things. It's seen as kind of a religious professional. When the church does that, and that's all that they do, then it makes sense that people don't see why would I go to the church for, for quote unquote normal stuff, like, you know, how to balance my checkbook or how to do budgeting or something of like that. And yet that's part of a spiritual discipline. So it, it hurts the church because the church is, is not seen as being this integrated part of their family and how they get counsel and decisions and, and well-being for all of life, their job and their, their, their finances and their parenting and their relationships, we're, we're continually pushed out of that center place where that's where people would default to go for help. And the church is designed to be a community where we help one another with stuff like that. So, for example, if, if you wanted to get on a good budgeting plan, you wouldn't come to me. I, I'm not that person. But there are people inside of Memorial Park, for example, who are brilliant at that who love especially to help couples get a budget going that helps them live a, a good life in a, in a financially responsible way. And so what I would love to do is take people and say, well, look, I can't help you with that, but I know someone who can. And that strengthens the church when people who have those gifts are able to use them and people benefit from them. But when that's taken outside of the church or the church doesn't have that as an opportunity anymore than the church is really weakened. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, Kath and I often say this, you know, where would you be without your church, right? Because people who don't go to church don't know the power of the community and all the different aspects of the personalities and the mindsets and the wisdom and the intellectual and spiritual heft that the church is able to provide by its, you know, the saints who belong there. So, that, yeah, it is a missed opportunity. It's just, I think, the way the, the world has uh, sort of, you know, structured itself nowadays. Hey, Dean, before 
before you leave us, uh, I think the last time you were with us, you know, you, you talked about Edunations and you were going to do a fundraiser. Uh, give us a follow-up there. Oh, we had a great concert, guys. Uh, Sandra McCracken was unbelievable. Um, what a rich uh, biblical storyteller she is, talented. Um, and, I, you know, I've listened to her music, but I'm not having heard her live in person before, what a set of pipes. I mean, man, the sister could sing. Uh, it, it was powerful. It was a beautiful evening, powerful evening. Um, it was all about what we were doing and accomplishing. And, you know, we set out with kind of a modest goal of hoping to raise about $40,000 uh, to support the education of the most under-resourced kids on the planet in the rural communities of northern Sierra Leone. And we raised about 48000 So we, we came well above what we had hoped. Uh, God was gracious and showed up and not only and uh, was worshipped and adored, but we raised really good money for a really good purpose. And, you know, if you want to talk about a little bit going a long way in the northern, rural, remote, under-resourced regions of Sierra Leone, which are all Muslim, um, we're able to bring the gospel. And, you know, in the words of one of the chiefs of one of the villages where we serve, he said, you have brought light into the darkness. And at Christmas time, what could be better than that? Fabulous. Dean, thanks so much. Uh, always appreciate uh, you being with us for the power of your ministry and for your excellence as you join us here on a regular basis. Uh, Happy New Year to you. All right. Thanks, guys. You both take care. And you as well. Dean Weaver, the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, co-founder, former president of EduNations. We'll take a, a quick break. When we do come back, it's our daily feature. Does this make sense? That's next here on The Ride Home. You send your kid to college. Praying that you've done the right thing, that the groundwork is in place for that child of yours to succeed. Now, you look at higher education today. I, I think a lot of us would agree it's a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And it's too expensive. However, serious intellectual inquiry requires a measure of maturity and rigor and courage, especially in today's topsy-turvy world. I believe that Grove City College is well-equipped to allow your child to have that courage in the serious intellectual inquiry and to have a Christ-centeredness that Christ is in all things, in every classroom, in every discussion, mm-hmm. in every public activity. All that there exists at Grove City. So we don't have to be afraid of, oh, are we going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about that? I mean, if... if if all of it belongs to God, then talking about somebody else's perspective shouldn't be threatening, right? It should be a way that we get to know what the world is, get to know who we are better so that we can have conversations that matter once we exit this place. I think it's part of education, John. Without a doubt. Be bold. Be courageous. Be Christ-centered. Look online at an education that's quality, gcc.edu. We all know healthcare costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. 
So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. It was very hard for me, but Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. At age 47, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It'll be breezy this evening. Otherwise, we'll see mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 18. Tomorrow, considerable cloudiness with a bit of afternoon snow accumulating a coating to an inch. will reach a high of 28. Tomorrow night, 1 to 3 inches of snow. Untreated surfaces will be slippery, the low 18. Friday, breezy in the morning with a passing flurry. We'll see a thick cloud cover. It'll be cold with a high of 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. make sense does what make sense the swivel chair yeah i like a swivel chair do you like a swivel chair and i don't just mean for offices i don't just mean the one you're sitting in or the one i'm Mm. sitting in but what about like a like a living room chair on a swivel no i don't need it make sense no not not a living room swivel chair because what where am i doing I, i i gotta like you know pivot around to like you know talk to somebody I'm saying. No, I don't think so. Because once I'm in my, you know, like the couch, I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to swivel to anybody. That's. I think that's been proven. You know, not, you know unless I had to swivel to like a bowl of dip or something like that. But, I'll, you know, I'll just keep it within arm's length. So the swivel, like living room chair, you do see yeah. those from time to time. I think that was more of like, you know, a 70s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You got a swivel I think it chair? makes total sense. I love everything about it. You like a swivel chair? I like it. You know why? In your living room? Makes you feel free. No, like all of a sudden it's like you you're on meet the press. To, you, you, you can talk to this person on this side, and then you can swivel around. You can talk to that person on that. What That's if you what don't want to talk for. to anybody? What about if you just swivel around, and then you're just like facing the corner? If you're six, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just don't want to. You're having an introverted moment. <laughs> I don't, do you have a swivel chair? Have you had one in your living room? Uh, I have, John. Really? And I've liked it so much that I'm going to pursue it in the future. I'd go for a swivel couch, some big old thing. I'm taking a nap and I'm going to spin around, wing, just fly around the room. That'd be kind of cool. See, now you're, now you're mocking my question. Oh, yeah, okay, because it doesn't make any sense to me. All right, this is controversial, but I'm saying it anyways. Does this make sense? The TikTok star who sells farts in a jar. Does that make sense to you, Kath? No, there's not one thing about that. She that made $50,000 apparently in two days. How sick so are people? Du- Clearly, we're the dumb ones. No, no. I mean, come on. That doesn't make any sense. A fart in a jar. Come on. People, <laughs> that's like the bottom sense. of society. That's where we've Could gone. She really, do you think she really made $50,000? Listen, people will buy just about anything. And you, and that really what she's selling is her cleavage, I believe. Because, well, you know, sure. when you look at it and you kind of go, there's some like, you know, 
people out there who have some, I don't know, I'm not even going to go there, but, you know, this is a byproduct of that. And I saw this article about this woman yesterday saying that this, this, she had to, she apparently had to quit the business because she thought she was going to have a heart attack because she was, you know, passing gas so much. I mean, that's crazy. She's trying to keep her business going. What a world we live in. Does that make sense to you, Kath? No, it doesn't make sense, John. Thank goodness. But I would like a swivel chair. All right. That's all I got. I I put it out there. 101.5 WORD. You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I am your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. I've been teaching my sweet 86-year-old grandma how to use her Alexa. The other day, I'm overhanging out, and I see grandma about four inches from Alexa yelling, Hey, Lexa, I'm making cookies. Tell me when it's 10 minutes. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and the reality is the mortgage world has changed from old school to new school as well. In the old days, you usually use somebody local, but today you don't have to be local to be local. You don't have to set up an appointment to see me. You'll have my cell, and you can text or call me anytime. The Stone Age paperwork of old is now, usually just some easy clicks. And if you're refinancing, in most cases, we'll just send a notary to your home for your closing. The level of attention that we bring will make us feel very local for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. And one other advantage? Read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through dollar bank want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office choose from 100 percent vinyl commercial aluminum wood and composite and how would you like to never clean your gutters again for a limited time get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through 12 31 21 all with 12 months no interest no processing fee and backed by the best warranty in the industry schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windows or pittsburgh.com that is windows pittsburgh.com and now an important message from exergen a critical new fda study proves that non-contact thermometers are not accurate they also have inaccurate information on their labels regarding accuracy new covid strains are on the rise and non-contact manufacturers are being irresponsible at a time when accuracy matters accurate temperature measurements are essential switch to exergen because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies be sure be accurate with exergen learn more at exergen.com I'm a Christian. I got my job. I go to church on Sunday, sometimes Wednesday. But do the two ever intersect? You know, my work life and my church life? What is it? 
the gospel and vocation. Pastor Eugene Park is with us. Eugene's a regular guest on our show. He's the associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast we follow called Off the Pulpit. Eugene, welcome back. Hey, good to be with you guys once yeah. more. Happy New Year. Yeah. Too. So, to you guys. okay, so as you think um, about that word vocation, um, you, is that like how you earn your money nine to five? Is that the kind of stuff you'd like to do hobby wise? Like how, how do you look at it? Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's really up to you, I guess. As someone that grew up in the church my whole life, um, I think work and vocation was always seen as sometimes an evil sometimes as oh the only christian way to do your job is make sure you evangelize at the workplace etc 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 so for me growing up it was a stage just how you make your money maybe it's the mission field you're called to i think as i just got a little older especially being here in the silicon valley where your life and your vocation there's no line or boundary for better or for worse Mm -hmm. a lot of my church members felt there was a lack of discipleship in this area, and I felt the same. I've, I've read a lot of good resources on it recently, but to me now, I've come to the conclusion that a vocation is not just something, like you said, where you go nine to five and you get money. Neither is it just a place where you go to evangelize to your secular coworkers. Um, I think your vocation and your calling and your workplace is actually God-ordained. That I, Tim Keller makes really a good point in uh, For Every Good Endeavor, that work came before the fall. And I think that'll be the same in heaven. I always look to what often is called the cultural mandate uh, as a great uh, inspiration for work. That when Adam and Eve were made, they were called to make things out of nothing. Uh, meaning they were called to effectively be gardeners. And when, once you garden, if I don't garden, but I read about when you do garden, <laughs> you're taking raw materials and bringing life into it. And I think truly a vocation is that. Uh, a good vocation is that it's God-ordained. Right. So, Eugene, uh, what about people who we used to call it here trading on the cross? You know, um, someone would advertise, oh, I'm the Christian car dealer that you can trust. Uh, You know, they're taking their vocation and then they spiritualize it. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it is pretty weird. Um, At least or growing up, I thought that was a norm. So I'm not trying to, you know, bag on people that do that. I think there is a little bit of leeway into that. But for me. Um, I don't, I think I might be quoting Tim Keller way too much, which is never a bad problem, but I think it's him who said, you know, how do you become a Christian pilot, right? Do you evangelize on the plane? Do you make sure your co-pilot knows the gospel? And I, he said the most profound answer. He said, the way to be a Christian and a pilot is to land the plane <laughs> because that's your job. And I think when we over-spiritualize our work and this, that's not to say that demonic forces are in play because they obviously are. But when we over-spiritualize work, um, we're not good co-workers. Like, I don't know about you guys, but if you have a co-worker that's only talking about what they believe and how when they come to the workplace, you never want to talk to them because it's, oh, another conversation about this or that, yeah. about how I should believe in this or that. That's not a good witness. So to me, I always say you don't need to over-spiritualize anything. God doesn't need your help in becoming a Christian in your workplace. He can do that on his own with the spirit. I think your job is often to do your job well. Yeah. Um, and to do it it, with a lot of competency. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with you, Eugene. And I, I think often of how we denigrate work as something that just, I don't know it, I'm using air quotes here. It just earns money. And so therefore it doesn't really matter. I, but I've talked on the air before about a conversation I had with a pastor in Pittsburgh years ago. 
And um, I asked him what the, how he saw vocation with the members of his church. And he said that it was easy. He said, I, I preach uh, the word of God. I do the work on Sunday. They hear it. They go out and make money and they bring money back and give it to the church. And then we just do it all over again. And I thought, now there has to be something more for the people of your church in their not because what does that tell the people in his church about their nine to five? It really doesn't matter, right? The only thing, the only reason you're doing that is so you can make money and give 10% of it back here to the church. I mean, that can't be, God is so much bigger than that. No, I, I totally agree. I wouldn't mind that as a pastor, because that means you're technically working for me in the end of the day. But <laughs> as a pastor, I don't think that's wise or biblical. Um, I really think that you are more than your resources. You are more than your bank account. So why does your job only have to be about money, correct? Um, and I think often that's a good way maybe to diagnose, well, what, what's the calling or vocation I should be called to? Oftentimes we worry about the finances, which, you know, in a practical sense, you should. You shouldn't be too foolish and just be like, I don't care about money. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. There's a practicality to that, especially if you have a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But oftentimes when I see younger people, especially trying to search for vocation, they worry so much about finance or they worry so much about making it or whatever it may be. And oftentimes I wonder, well, the cultural mandate, could that be a good litmus test for a good vocation? Meaning for coders, I actually try and tell them, there's a lot of coders at my church. I try and tell them, what you're doing is God-ordained work because you're taking a chaotic mess of numbers mm -hmm. and bringing order to that to help human beings flourish in a society that you're called to live in. Now, often if you're coding for, let's say, a pornography app, then there's another you know, element of that that you could bring into. But oftentimes I wonder, could we use the cultural mandate as a good limits test of what vocation I should be called to? What, what's a vocation that helps you bring order into this world that God has called you to live into? That's really good. We're talking with Eugene Park. He's associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California. So, Eugene, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the uh, the young coders at your church. There you are in the thick of uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, how does that work? I mean, are, are there are there people there who are willingly able to be in Silicon Valley? You would think, you know, it would be in some ways unhip to say Christ is my Lord and Savior. Do you drill down into that? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting workplace here. Um, work culture, I would put, like even, it's interesting in Silicon Valley, usually people don't have a lot of pride in their work uh, historically, meaning you're a company man, you do your job and you come home and just, that's how you usually live, company man or woman. But here it's really interesting because people with these tech companies will take pride in their companies. Oftentimes they'll wear willingly, not forced, but willingly company you know, Patagonia jackets that has a Facebook logo or Google and they'll wear it, not just to work with anywhere. They're kind of proud of where they work oh, at. Oh, and being in that type of environment is a little bit different because oftentimes what I say, they're like chewing it up, but I have to slow them down often because often what they do is who they are, if that makes sense. And it's saying that I try to make really deep into uh, the Silicon Valley is when you make what you do, who you are, you'll never do anything well and you'll never know who you are because those are two completely different spheres. And oftentimes the problem with maybe the modern vocation is that line is often gone and it's just what you do is who you are. You know, even if I ask a human being recently, hey, who are you? What's their first answer? Maybe even before their name, it's what they do. 
And oftentimes I think that's not the best way to form your identity. So that's one thing I try and really push back. And, you know, just the idolatry of work is something that is well documented. Um, one practice that I found helpful that uh, we are trying to relearn as a church is the, the power of Sabbath. Um, I think that idea is so under criminally preached on and exposited in our churches. There's a pastor by the name, you guys might know him, Rich Viotis. Um, he's in Brooklyn. Uh, he, he put it really well where he says, oftentimes you think that you rest to work better. That's not the point of biblical Sabbath. The point of biblical Sabbath is not to rest so that you can work better. It's to rest to remind yourself of who you are amidst your work. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be so powerful and a, and a rhythm and element that we're missing in the American work life. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Tim Keller, one of the things he said about Sabbath that I've never forgotten, it was so foundational to me years ago, was he said, the reason you rest is to remind yourself that your work will always be unfinished. Hmm. I mean, I think that's. Doesn't that change? Can't that change everything if we embrace that? Yeah, I think that's really good. I remember hearing that quote from him too. And I think that's such a good posture to enter vocation in this brave new post-COVID work world where work, you're working from home. You're constantly around it often. Your Slack or your email notifications are never off. And it's always like, what do I have to do to get them off? And maybe a Christian understanding of it is you're entering a broken society that you cannot fix on your own with your vocation. Mm -hmm. And I think that mentality lifts so much of the burden of, well, I got to accomplish so much for a salary, for my reputation and all that. No, 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 no. What you're doing is something that will continue to do even when you go on to heaven because it's a broken world. But I still think in heaven will work. And I think that's such a beautiful uh, metaphor for Sabbath as well. That's good. Eugene Park from True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast called Off the Pulpit. Eugene, before you leave us, uh, give a shout out to Off the Pulpit. What are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm really excited for this new year. Again, our, our podcast is just me, two other Korean American pastors. We just talk about issues from our own lens. I'm really excited for some of the guests we're having on this year. We're having Mark Sayers, who's a pastor in Australia. He's always fascinating. I call him the Australian Tim Keller, with all respect to Tim Keller. Um, but uh, we, we'd love to talk to him soon. And our next episode will be about how COVID in two and a half years of retrospect has changed the church world. So if you want to talk about how the church is an interesting place, uh, stay tuned for that episode, which will be dropping next week. Fabulous. Eugene, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. No, same to you guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. Off the pulpit. Listen, it's a really interesting listen. Uh, highly recommended. You check it out uh, wherever you're checking out your podcast, Off the Pulpit with Eugene Park and his uh, two hosts. Be right back. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, 
concerns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. We want everybody to have a level of comfort knowing that they're in a safe environment, that they're in a caring environment, and that their health and well-being is our top priority. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We are constantly screening both ourselves and patients. I want my patients to know that we are there for them. When they are ready, we are here. You're going to be safe. You're going to be well cared for. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. At the Original Mattress Factory, we pride ourselves on providing the best value for your dollar. We hand-build our mattresses with the highest quality materials and offer them factory direct, which means you get a better quality mattress at a better price compared to mainstream brands. Our values are also at the core of who we are as a company. We strive for honesty and transparency at every step of the way so you can feel good about your purchase. Visit an OMF location today to experience the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church, academy, and our neighborhoods. Information is available at pts.edu. The completion of the first sign language Bible, translated from the original languages, has prompted cheers and celebrations Uh, in the fall of last year. It took nearly four decades for more than 50 translators to finish the American Sign Language version. And the project started by Deaf Missions received crucial support from the Deaf Bible Society, Door International, Deaf Harbor, the American Bible Society, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and Pioneer Bible Translators. This is interesting. Many hearing people, myself included, think that sign language is only an alternate rendering of vocabulary, similar to how Braille reproduces written text in a code of raised dots. Sign language, however, has its own vocabulary and its own grammar, and linguists consider it a distinct language. That's why there are more than 400 different versions of the sign language Bibles that are hopefully in the works at some point. Isn't that fascinating, Kath? Boy, that's interesting. I don't know anything about that. No. So is so I know that there are different there's like ASL, which is one kind of one American particular sign language. Sign language. Yep. But you're saying that there are all sorts of four hundred different versions of sign language which have thousands, perhaps millions of people who are following along. Well. Now don't um, you don't you admire people? Like just does it blow your mind that people work in translation? Oh my gosh. I just can't. I, I'm so poor with language. I, I mean, I can do okay with English, but I'm so poor learning other language 
that I just, that is, seems like such an incredible task. And it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm very impressed by people who without a doubt, are I, I'm the it. same way. I mean, you think, um, uh, Illuminations is an alliance of 11 Bible translation organizations has set a goal of rendering scripture in every known language by the year 2033. Now, there are, according to the group, about 7,000 known languages in the world, and roughly more than half have little or no Bible. So they've got a long way to go. And then you can add on 400 more deaf interpretations of sign language Bibles yeah. that are also necessary as well. Yeah. Well, find an organization that you love that's doing work in biblical languages. We love the Bible League. We talk about that often. But whatever your organization is, love it, support it. I'm into that. Hey, thanks for being with us. As always, as we leave the air, you can find our podcast up and running. And uh, we'll do the same thing tomorrow as well. Except I'm going to be there, John. In person. I'm going to be breathing, breathing the same air. Oh, good. Bring that COVID breath into studio. Have yourself a great night. The Indeterminate Edition. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.